Hi everyone, it's Adam from Monkey Tennis here. Just saying a huge thank you to all of you that have supported my charity appeal uh, so far. For those that haven't heard about it, this September I'm going to be swimming uh, 15 kilometres uh, between five islands in Cornwall. Uh, I'll be swimming the Isles of Scilly. That's Scilly, S-C-I-L-L-Y. Um, I'm doing it because I want to, but also to raise money for Calm, the campaign against living miserably. It's a well-known statistic that 125 people in the UK die by suicide every week, and Calm run a free and confidential helpline for people to speak through their problems and ultimately to help prevent suicides. Um, I'm looking to raise enough money to train two new phone workers um, to man those lines um, and I'll be doing it by swimming the Isles of Scilly in Cornwall. Um, if you're looking to support me, it would be greatly appreciated. Um, you can donate at justgiving.com. Um, just go there and search for Adam Swim Silly. That's Adam Swim Silly, S-C-I-L-L-Y. All donations greatly appreciated. Thank you for helping me to support Calm. And now, on with monkey tennis. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even on a budget, quality is non negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Greetings, listeners. Before we crack on with the final episode of the series and of 2020, we have one final small favour to ask of you. And no, it's not to do a whip around in order to buy Nick some proper slippers this Christmas. Seriously, those booties stink. Our friends at Pod Bible are running their annual awards and we'd love for you to cast your vote for monkey tennis. Simply head to podbiblemag.com and you can vote for a number of amazing podcasts in various categories. But the one we need your vote on is the Oh My Pod category. This is for your favourite independent or amateur podcast, and the award champions the smaller shows, like us, that may sometimes struggle to get as much exposure as the big guns. Just type in Monkey Tennis and submit your vote. And the excellent thing is, you don't have to provide an email address to do it. Thank you for your support throughout 2020, and as you may have seen from our Twitter this week, Series 2 of This Time has commenced filming, so hopefully we'll be back in 2021 to cover that. And now, on with the episode. Thanks a lot. And this is the beauty of podcasting, the freedom of the medium. Gokumpa. Monkey tennis. Bring, bring. Fireworks. Dumbakabab. Trees are my pawn. Monkey tennis. Ready, steady, fuck off. Scratch me. Being served. Monkey tennis. Excuse me, your dog's taking my dog's stick. With a chuckle, with a chuckle. Monkey tennis. Yep, absolutely. Yep, 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 absolutely. Generally, I think new ideas are bad. Monkey tennis. Why not consider chips? You must come and stay in the barn. Fuck off. Riddle me that, you nutters. Nothing refreshes like an ice cold glass of milk. Nah. Monkey tennis. From the host house. Keep it down, love. 
For perhaps the last time in 2020, hello and welcome to Monkey Tennis, the Alan Partridge fan podcast. I'm Adam Brooks and I'm joined by Tom Dark. What was he doing on the bloody roof? Nick Older. Holmes and Watson Elementary. <laughs> Tom Stab. <laughs> Quite simply, cows. So we're back for our last episode of the the, uh, the year with some more of your funny stories and feedback. This time, general feedback related to Alan. Uh, last week, we were focusing just on From the Oast House. Um, if you want to drop us feedback, then there are many ways to do it. On Instagram, we're at Monkey Tennis Pod. On Twitter, we're at The Partridge Pod. Facebook.com slash The Partridge Pod. You can email thepartridgepod at gmail.com. Leave us a voice note on our hotline 07923 for use in a future episode. Or you can shout us the price of a cup of coffee, or if you're feeling very generous, five <laughs> coffees, one for each member of the team, including producer Jed, at ko-fi.com slash monkey tennis. Uh, so that's the admin out of the way. What do we have in terms of feedback? We start with an email from John Edwards and strap in listeners because John has quite a few tits bits for us. Uh, John starts by saying, good afternoon to Alan's number two, three, four and five fans. Strange to think I've spent more time listening to you than Alan and I'm only up to podcast episode 33. Um, Just quickly, Tom, before you continue the email, if he's on podcast episode 33 now, it's going to be years until he actually hears this. (laughs) good point good point uh yes john continues i have been following alan from his on the hour days and i visited the travel tavern setting many years ago i went round the back by the area below alan's room where he hurled a grenade at mike the geordie uh note that uh in one of our early very early episodes i think probably our first feedback episode someone got in touch with us and told us that the travel tavern uh setting is the hilton in watford uh, mm. So John's not done yet. He also has an observation about Bill Oddie. He says, at the start of I Partridge, there's an intro called Introducing What Follows, where Alan performs a short interview with himself. In Bill Oddie's autobiography, One Flew Into the Cuckoos, Oddie performs an interview on himself too. Uh, the interview begins, Bill, you're a man of many talents, but master of none. That's what you were going to say, isn't it? Is that what you think? What do you mean? Is that what I think you were going to say? Or is that what I think about myself? And so it goes on for the next 190 pages. Um, <laughs> I thought that was really great. And also we mentioned last week that in a recent uh, TV interview with Steve Coogan, you could visibly see Bill Oddie's autobiography in the background behind him. So there's a strong chance that uh, Bill Oddie's self-interview is what inspired Alan to do the same in iPartridge. Yes, the evidence speaks for itself. Uh, and I'm, I, for one, am certainly keen to read. Um, John's email doesn't stop there. Uh, next up, he gives us some TV show ideas in his email. So we thought it'd be fun to go over these in the style of Tony Hares and decide if we're going to commission them or not. Uh, I'm going to start us with his first idea, which is a pitch for a show called Sidelines, a series where each episode is based on one character from the Alan universe. The characters I would go for are, one, Lynn the Mouse, two, Jed the Mentalist, Three, Dan the sex person. Four, Dave the Clifton. Five, he writes last but not least, Mike the Geordie. But then obviously he goes six. Not sure who the sixth episode would be. Uh, perhaps a uh, Kim Q app guest, maybe Joe Beasley. So what do we think of that? Are we commissioning? Just a quick note on episode four, Dave the Clifton doesn't really work. <laughs> Should it not be no. Dave the Alky? <laughs> <laughs> yes that's better although i i do like it it did, did make me laugh uh also the fact that he calls michael mike throughout this email as well mike the geordie do we also think that alan would somehow 
like cameo in each of these episodes or it is just a solo vehicle and that is it for these characters i mean he hasn't given that detail no. in the pitch document tom mm. so i'm not quite sure what uh what he's thinking there i'd be keen to commission but i would like rosa the cleaner to be featured perhaps in place of dan the sex person i, I think we'd all agree that episode six jay beasley we're definitely up for that right oh yeah, oh, yeah. absolutely um and actually, wasn't this a bit like, wasn't Tim Key suggesting a very similar idea when uh, you guys chatted to him about a kind of Sidekick Simon uh, spin-off episode, perhaps? Yeah, I think he was just hass- hustling for more work. To be <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but again, you know, uh, you could have a Sidekick Simon episode out of those six. Definitely. Um, so I think we'll, uh, we'll ring the commissioning bell for that. That's a green, li- that's a green light. You're through. Uh, but John is not done there. Uh, there is two two further um, pitches. Uh, the first one is Alan's run, so similar to sidelines, but with Alan playing the role um, of each character, so similar to Coogan's run. Um, I'm not overly familiar with Coogan's run, to be totally honest with you, um, but what do we think on this one? So he's suggesting that basically Alan plays Joe Beasley for an episode, Alan plays Mike the Geordie for an episode, Alan plays yeah. Dave Clifton, etc., etc., Oh, I interpreted yeah, it, it more as Alan being the lead, but maybe I've got that wrong. No, no Alan playing the role of each character. Um, yeah, so that that's how, uh, if Nick, if you haven't seen it, that's basically how Coogan's run works, is that Steve Coogan was the main, played a different character in each episode, but they were the main character of that episode. So, um, I, I mean, for me, it, it's a no. I prefer the sidelines idea. I think that works better. So, Personally, I'm not commissioning Alan's run. <laughs> uh, I will, because I like the idea that it's almost like a show within a show, how Alan would play each of those characters. In the same way as, I think in I Partridge, he writes a letter as if, uh, you know, we're supposed to believe it's from Carol, but it's actually uh, yeah, clearly been yeah. written by Alan. So it's got that extra layer to it. Um, and, uh, yeah, i just like to see Alan uh, interpreting Joe Beasley. <laughs> well, I, I don't trust your judgment because you don't like eggs, so I'm going to side with Tom Duck. <laughs> Tom Stab? <laughs> it's not it's not ringing my bell literally and metaphorically speaking <laughs> metaphorically <laughs> hypothetically speaking <laughs> okay so sorry I was, thrown, I was thrown a bit by you coming to me while I was having a drink <laughs> I wasn't paying attention <laughs> Um, and finally, uh, we have something called Mike's Resurrection. Again, this is this is Michael the Geordie referred to as Mike, which I'm enjoying. <laughs> Mike, to Michael the Geordie. I'm yeah. enjoying it. He says, uh, you've discussed the probability that Mike has died. Obviously, <laughs> obviously, this does not bear thinking about. So a possible way that he might have survived is as follows. He swam to shore. The police and everyone else were concentrating on the face-off on the pier. Mike needed to get back to guard, to guard duty, so walked back to Norwich. Seven hours, 21 minutes via the A149, according to Google Maps, <laughs> whilst trying to thumb a lift. After seven hours of thumbing, that's a great term, isn't it? A Welsh lady boy <laughs> pulled over, <laughs> of course, uh, and offered him, a, <laughs> offered him a lift. And an offer inverted commas he could not refuse the chance encounter mean, meant he, he had never had to go back to his house nor work again other than cash and hand jobs uh, his friend inverted commas <laughs> never heard of him very again unfortunate, very unfortunate use of cash and hand jobs there because <laughs> yeah. that's not what the email says <laughs> uh, yeah his, his friends never heard of him again the spoon remained in the bathroom he never paid taxes again so was off everyone's radar and he never thought that anyone would be looking for him or that he ought to mention anything to the powers that be. I mean, 
I, is that a show idea? I, it just feels like it's a, I, it's more of a kind of you know con- conspiracy theory relating to Mike slash Michael. I mean, it's it's kind of both, but I like that this could perhaps be Mike's resurrection could be to Alan Partridge what El Camino was to Breaking Bad. You know, it's yes. a great secondary. Yes. What happened to this? What happened to this secondary character after the main event? Love it. it it's a fe- it's a feature length. Uh, story it's 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 a one it's a one piece narrative uh 90 minute special uh i'm thinking it's bbc one 10 p.m on a thursday night for me it's a green light it's commissioned but i would also like an attached podcast which is called searching for michael yes which is alan obviously searching for michael or or mike if if you prefer that (laughs) oh that's that's commission okay i think that concludes that very long email but uh a a great start uh Tom, I think you've got the next message for us. I possibly think this is the biggest bombshell we've ever (laughs) accidentally (laughs) dropped on this show. (laughs) So um, it's an email from uh, Tim Reyes, and he says, I've been catching up on the pod during lockdown and have just finished episode 62, this time episode two on my daily ramble. Couldn't help but do an oral double take. Can you do an oral double take? Does he mean an audible double take? I mean, either way, I don't think you can do it. Anyway, (laughs) uh, when you talk about the upcoming comic relief special, about four minutes and ten seconds, do my ears deceive me or do you mention Corona a year before the world was ravaged by it? I've attached the audio recording for you. So um, apparently... We mentioned coronavirus a whole year before it ravaged the country, uh, ravaged the world, I should say. So um, I believe we have that audio to play in now. Um, other other news this week. Uh, we should certainly talk about comic relief. Yeah. yeah. So um, the, the, again, the Gibbons brothers uh, confirmed that um, there would be a comic relief sketch for Alan. He has filmed that. They have filmed that sketch, and um, I seem to remember that was I think Friday the fifteenth of March. So not That's too correct. far away. Not too far away. We're going to be getting a, a nice little yeah, bit of bonus, a nice little bit of bonus Alan. Right. So clearly, as you can hear from that, I do pro- kind of predict the end of the world. I mean, <laughs> rumours rumors that a bat flew out of Nick's booty and then went direct to Wuhan cannot be uh, confirmed or denied. Uh, moving swiftly on and going all the way back to the DVD years of Alan, Elizabeth Philpot got in touch to say, I was just wondering if any of you had listened to the Series 1 commentary of I'm Anna Partridge with Alan and Lynn. It's about five-ish hours long and pure gold. For me, it's an example of true Partridge, just mundane rolling conversation with no gags as such. I think they're very underappreciated in the Partridge fandom. To make me sound even weirder, I afford asleep listening to it on YouTube every night because I find it very relaxing, which is totally normal. If you haven't, it's on YouTube in full. Um, so yeah I mean I think some of us have listened to some of this haven't we um, but we we weren't diving that deeply in the early years that I think we all listened to all five hours of this yeah so I, I, I mean in, in preparation for uh, recording this uh, I think both myself and Stab have had a bit of a listen um, and yeah I think you're right I think in the early days when we started uh, covering I'm on Partridge Series 1 I think we did divvy up kind of listening to the dvd commentaries but i think just the the kind of like the armando yunichi commentaries so not the in character ones i don't think any of us listen to those at a time and actually i think if you go back to our feedback episode episode 97 uh i think we were also asked about this um because there's an interesting point that they basically state that uh 
that the series is based on true events. So there was a bit that I noted a few minutes into the first episode commentary. Um, so yeah, Alan in character to Lynn in character says that what they're watching is real events depicted by actors. So obviously that's a conceit that was never picked up and took any further. It's just a conceit that makes sense of how would those two characters be commenting on what they're watching. Apart from, um, apart from Alan and Lynn who are playing themselves, they say. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Alan and Lynn are playing themselves, but everyone else is an actor and they're yes, reenacting. Yes, everyone else is an actor around yeah. them and it and it's it's a replaying of events that happened. Um I mean, I I actually really enjoyed it. Uh it's because there are some great partridge lines like they are fully immersed in character doing this. Um so I would I would definitely recommend uh digging it out. I guess the only thing is if you don't have the DVDs and also do you even have a DVD player in 2020? I don't know. Um, so it is on YouTube, but obviously you don't have the the visual to watch along with. Um, but then I kind of see Elizabeth's point about actually that it's quite good to fall asleep to. It was kind of quite a relaxing bit of audio yeah, to have I on agree. the background. Yeah. I was going to say that too. Yeah, it's very sort of laid back. Just It's just two disgruntled people sort of <laughs> murmuring and grunting a little bit, isn't it? But in yeah, quite a funny, a partridge adjacent way. Yeah, like it's very funny, but it's kind of, it's quite a low, like a low energy conversation in a way. And the fact you have Alan and Lynn's conversation just above the audible audio of the tv show just actually weirdly works really well as something to listen to i mean nick i was going to say uh i mean the listeners won't know this but we know that you're quite a fan of falling asleep uh to tv shows so i think this would be right up your street uh yeah i mean i should definitely give it a go i mean i i like uh to have something uh in bed to kind of like uh help me fall asleep i can't just turn the lights out and close my eyes and go to sleep i need some kind of uh, oral stimulation uh, you need the soothing sounds of del boy <laughs> yeah derek trotter sends me to sleep he's my happy place <laughs> shall i move on to our next email only if it's from an american listener well adam here's an email from an american listener this comes in from mike olson mike writes hello i was hoping to be the first american partridge fan to send you an email but then last season no, he's using season, yeah. not series, so that's a giveaway. <laughs> mm-hmm. Last season, you read a missive from a gentleman in Chicago, and my dream ended. Nevertheless, I thought I'd drop me a line. I live in Southern California, and I'm the proud father of two sons, 10-year-old Ben and 7-year-old Will, and I think that after death, there is nothing. Thanks, and keep up the ruddy good work, Mike. Just a bit of fun. I enjoyed <laughs> that. Thanks, Mike. Next up is another Alan audio anomaly from Andy McDonald, and he writes, Tom Dark pointed out a minor difference in Alan's take on podcast hosts in the armchair promo for From the Oast House. Uh, so one version it has uh, living with their mums compared to uh, the chapter one of the podcast, which that line is, is removed. If you listen closely, Alan actually fluffs this part of chapter one. In the armchair promo, Alan says to flatter their groaning sense of self-importance. But in chapter one, and there's a timestamp at 7.43, he says to flatter their groaning self of sense importance, <laughs> making this chapter the worst of both worlds. That is great, great detail that we didn't pick up on. So thank you for sharing that, Andy McDonald. Yeah, and I think, I, I guess we have talked about this throughout the Ace House stuff that it's on the repeat listens where you notice that he's mangled things and i think it's very clever how they do this that on the first listen the words are kind of similar enough that you don't even spot that he's that he's getting things wrong 
And now is the email that we've all been waiting for. It's uh, The subject is Darren Day. Now, uh, this is from Rod Henderson, and he says, listening to episode 79, Nomad Chapter 10, where Alan talks about identifying car horn sounds in a game show format hosted by Darren Day made me think that this is basically the entire premise of the show You Bet from the uh, from ITV in the 90s. Celebrities would bet if a person could complete a task in a particular time frame. Used to be hosted by Matthew Kelly, but then Darren Day took over. The tracker bar never featured as far <laughs> as I can remember. And he says, here's a link to the titles in all their shit 90s glory. Congratulations on reaching 100 episodes. Best Rod, big in the back time, Henderson. Um, now I'm not familiar with you, Bet. Is uh, any of what? any of you guys familiar with it? Oh, no, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I, I, no. I watch that religiously. Really, it's, I've it's, literally never yeah. heard of it. It's a really good uh, concept for a game show as well. I think it could still, um, you know, be popular. <laughs> in 2020 TV basically. commissioners TV commissioners <laughs> if you're out there once you've finished commissioning our pilot why not move on to a reboot of You Bet you could also argue that our occasional game of Predictor Partridge is somewhat related to You Bet as well where we basically stake bet our reputations on uh, whether something's going to happen in the APU or not and then we come back and see if it's happened such big reputations <laughs> I mean, I, you know what? I'm just looking at these titles now, and they are stunningly 90s. It's fantastic. I can't really remember how the show worked, but I remember it being very much a 90s staple because wasn't the phrase like, are you going to bet on it? You bet. Something like that? Yeah. Or if I made yeah. that up? It was a very simple and great concept. I think it was basically like, um, you know, Fatima Whitbread would be a contestant on it, and it would be like, Fatima, here's a man who thinks that he can karate chop through 15 planks yeah. of wood. Do you think he can do it? Right. And, and how, you know, I can't remember if they had to put an amount to it or if they just said yes or no. I think, and right, then, yeah, there was an amount that I think was uh, winning money for charity, essentially. Right, so it's it's probably a forefather of something like the million pound drop, where it's like, which of these answers do you think is right? How much are you willing to stake on it? But wasn't there, I seem to remember there was bigger challenges. So you're right that there was kind of like, can this man karate chop through 10 pieces of wood or whatever? But that's quite quick in and of itself. I seem to remember it being things like, uh, can this, you know, man woman whoever play you know this piece of piano music having never played the piano before they've got a week to practice it and <laughs> uh, then they have to right. then they have to come on and and play that piece of music to either right. either yeah, win or so lose it's kind of like a mash of challenge annika taskmaster and the million pound drop basically so what you're saying is it's the best tv show ever created <laughs> uh no the best the best current game show is danny dyer's the wall but that i could devote a whole Bring episode of monkey tennis to that <laughs> i'm totally with you adam i have been relishing uh, that show it is brilliant i really does like he do it. like bring on the fucking wall yeah he is he, but he also doesn't even we're going off on a tangent here he doesn't even ask the questions they have to get angela rippon in to do that but presumably because he can't pronounce you know and uh, the thing i like is you know when you're watching iplayer and they show you a trailer before the program you actually want to see which is annoying i've already paid a license fee um but um they show one for the wall and all i heard was danny dyer going they say that walls have ears and then I skipped it and I never know what he said after that <laughs> anyway uh, why talk about Danny Dyer when we can talk about dolphinariums uh, Daniel Buttress was in touch to say I was listening to an early episode of Monkey Tennis a classic I prefer their earlier stuff too Daniel uh, and the dolphinarium in Brighton was mentioned before being dismissed there was indeed a dolphinarium where the sea life centre now resides opposite the palace pier I visited several times in the 1980s for birthday parties and in the 90s the powers that be did see sense and dolphins were released and the grand underground complex became the sea life centre I like the idea that perhaps they just uh, 
created a channel from the Sea Life Centre to the yeah. sea. If <laughs> you've been to, to Brighton, same, yeah. if you've been to Brighton, you know that a dolphin might make it. Uh, of note, the Brighton wheel that was erected just above that site in the 2000s had Steve Coogan's voice in the pods as he went around. Uh, awesome idea. Also about our Men Behaving Badly podcast, you can discuss issues like turning the channel tunnel into a massive bowling alley. Uh, thanks very much, Daniel. Um, I also like that this uh, is all very Brighton specific, which I believe is where Steve Coogan currently lives. Uh, so uh, perhaps that's the reason that he ended up in as his voice in the Brighton Wheel Pods. Uh, I'm not sure how long he's had a house there, but um, yeah, he is a fan of Brighton. I was going to say, I'd like more information about his voice being in the pods. What was he saying? What was the purpose? Yeah, was it straight or was it as Alan or, you know, was it mm. humorous or is it just this is what you can see yeah. and that's may- that. May- maybe any other Brighton-based listeners uh, experienced that in the 2000s and can let us know a bit more. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. That kind of links us quite nicely into the next email we've had from Peter Offermans about the North Norfolk digital jingle. North Norfolk's best music mix. Uh, Peter writes, I'm not sure if this was mentioned in the episodes of Mid Morning Matters, I think not, but here's a nice piece of Partridge trivia. The North Norfolk digital jingle was sung by Steve Coogan's niece, Mary Joanna Coogan. She mentioned this in a comment on a Mid Mat clip on YouTube some years ago. The clip has been taken down since, but if you look at the Mid Morning Matters IMDb page, you'll see she had an unspecified role in the series. That is a great bit of trivia. That's fantastic. Yeah, incredibly niche. And talking about niche trivia, um, we've had uh, uh, some correspondence from Josh regarding the Gibbons. And he writes, I went to the same school as Rob and Neil Gibbons, uh, which is Sambac School. A few years back, whilst watching Mid Morning Matters, I noticed Alan references his history teacher, Mr. Rigg. Now, there was a French teacher at Sambac School called Mr. Rigg. Neil confirmed to me via Twitter that they name-checked him. Then, 
whilst watching this time, when the cheerleaders arrive on set in a convertible car, they name-check Mr. Lonsdale, who was a legendary drama teacher uh, at our school. He later received an MBE. Uh, but that's uh, absolutely irrelevant, he writes. <laughs> uh, in From the Oast House, they mention a restaurant called Casse Vichea. Uh, there was a restaurant in the centre of Sam. Sorry, this was a restaurant in the centre of Sambac. These three references got me thinking of whether they were laying uh, a golden egg hunt purely for people from Sambac. Neil confirmed on Twitter that they are indeed there are indeed other references saying, oh, very much so, when asked. Uh, I assume he said it with that uh, <laughs> in that style of voice as well. Uh, Jenny from this time is likely to be named after Neil and Rob's sister. My sister was a bridesmaid at her wedding. I'm now making it my life goal to find out more of these Sambac references for no one's pleasure but my own. Well, I would say that I've taken a great amount of pleasure from that. So if you do find any more uh, golden eggs, uh, golden Easter eggs, uh, please do uh, share them with us. <laughs> now, on this subject of uh, the Gibbons and Twitter interactions, I believe you have something, Tom, that um, uh, is worth sharing at this point. I do indeed. Um, a little bombshell of our own that I was very uh, pleased to have this confirmed. Uh, we'd been debating amongst us, and I don't think this actually made it to the podcast itself, whether Morris the Magpie was uh, spelt M-O-R-R-I-S or M-A-U-R-I-C-E. Uh, I am pleased to confirm via a Twitter interaction with Neil Gibbons that it is Morris as in M-O-R-R-I-S. So if that was bugging you, now we know. I think we've always prided ourselves on being a very international podcast. I mean, you know, about 95, 98% of our list between 95 and 98% of our listeners are from the UK, but that 2% is very, very vital. Um, so we've had listeners from America and now we go to the Netherlands. JZ Herrenberg writes in and says, Hello, my name is Johan Herrenberg, 59, living in Delft, the Netherlands, not an area that I'm familiar with. Uh, I'm Dutch and have been a Partridge fan ever since I first heard him on Radio 4's On The Hour. I'm a novelist and I've made one Partridge dream come true, although no Dutch reader has picked up on this. One of the characters in my rather ambitious and joycean novel, Neder Halfrond, Need the Hemisphere, that's translated as, uh, switches on her TV to watch one of her favourite detectives, a detective called Swallow. My <laughs> fictive intro, which differs from the one Alan gives in I Partridge, consists of a view of the Norwich skyline with the spire of the cathedral and the signature tune is described as being perceptively pastoral. So it's a little Easter egg, a little nugget uh, for uh, th this novelist, Johan, uh, who's put a, little part yeah, like I say, put a little Partridge Easter egg in his novel, which is a nice touch. I love this. And uh, any other creatives that have put uh, any Partridge references into their own work, we would love to hear mm. from you and uh, and amplify your voice further. I did uh, go into our uh, Acast uh, insights and check how many listeners we'd had in the Netherlands. So over the past four years, we've had just over, oh, sorry, just under 9,000 listens in the Netherlands. Uh, most of those in Amsterdam, but the which is the most popular. But the second most popular is indeed Johans Delft, which has had a a, a, an eye-wateringly high 452 listens Brilliant. I wonder how many I of like, them are Johan yeah, I, like, I like to think the majority of our Amsterdam listens are the uh, the nerdy reluctant person on a stag do uh, listening to this rather than getting involved with the fun <laughs> what you're saying this isn't fun Adam <laughs> sure um, we also heard from at Ronnie Superb presumably on Twitter um, who noticed uh, by pausing the screen in uh, Alan's static home in series 2 of I'm Alan Partridge uh, specifically the episode Never Say Alan Again that there is a 
a sort of classic gold photo frame, dual photo frame with a woman and a man's image in it. And he said, could it be Alan's parents or perhaps Denise and Fernando? I'm not sure if you covered this already. I was going to check, but I haven't done that. <laughs> the picture on the left is, is a black and white picture. And that looks like an absolute ripper victim. That looks like a terrible picture. Yeah, I can't believe it's Denise and Fernando because the photos the photos look too dated, don't they? Um, the, the, the the one on the the right, which looks to me like a, a young boy, that it looks like they're in quite kind of partridge esque yeah. fashion. So, but it looks to me like the one on the left because it's black and white looks like that's a lot older. So, yeah. I, one on, it, one on the it's right. almost like, could it be one parent and one child? Well, I think one on the right looks like a childhood photo of Coogan. Uh, mm. That would be my, that's my mm. best guess. I don't know who the who the image on the left would be. We'll put this up on our socials so you can have a good look at it and enjoy the fact that we're talking about something purely visual for several minutes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I'm not sure. It's, I don't think it's Denise and Fernando. I think it could be a, a childhood photo of Alan, in inverted commas, in fact, just an old photo of Steve Coogan. Um, it could feasibly be his parents. I think that's that's a plausible explanation given how old both the photos look. Um, but yeah, keen to know your thoughts. We'll put this on our socials. Uh, so take a look on Twitter and or Instagram. It does make me wonder if there are any other Easter eggs to be found around the uh, static home in that series as well. Um, because I, I think, you know, we picked up on the amount of detail we noticed where uh, you have like the Sonia heads and the cat heads on various things. They're, they're on other kind of items uh, other than just discata cushions and even going into detail of stuff that like Sonia had on a notebook and stuff. So if anybody else has spotted any interesting kind of background info uh, in the static home or, or anywhere else for that matter, then uh, yeah, do get in touch. So from something very visual to something audible, uh, we've had a question about Alan's accent from Sir Arthur indeed. Uh, Sir Arthur (laughs) writes, is there a canon APU explanation as to why Alan Partridge is from Norwich yet speaks with a Manchester accent? Genuine question. Has it ever been addressed in a book or a podcast or the like? Is there a reason other than he's played by Steve Coogan? I mean, this... It's a valid point, and I think this has kind of been addressed in a couple of ways, but equally, I think the reality is, well, yeah, he is played by Steve Coogan. Steve Coogan is originally from Manchester. There's always going to be that element to it, regardless of the fact, you know, Steve's a very very accomplished voiceover artist, can do lots of uh, great accents and voices, but I guess there's always going to be a slightly kind of natural element of where, where he originates from. So, of course, there was the Oast House episode where he talks about losing his Norfolk accent uh, deliberately because he wouldn't be taken seriously uh, by the BBC and taken seriously in London, what have you, and doing all the kind of Bernard Matthews stuff that he spoke about. But, of course, that wouldn't, that still doesn't give the answer. That's why he sounds vaguely Mancunian. Uh, And I think we've talked about this over the years as well, that obviously Alan's accent has changed and evolved. Uh, You know, in the early days, it's very sports reporter. It's very John Motson. These days, it's barely indistinguishable from Steve Coogan uh, in normal life. Um, But what I enjoyed most about this is that uh, I think there's somebody writing on Twitter and Nick got looped in directly and basically Nick had no idea and had no suggestions to help. (laughs) That is classic me. Yeah, basically my my cousin's husband, uh, Ralph, uh, looped me in on um, uh, Twitter. Uh, I didn't know 
<laughs> what the answer was. So simply <laughs> deployed the, oh, I'm confused, uh, GIF, uh, CC'd in the Partridge pod, so the Monkey Tennis um, Twitter account, and then very much, that was me done, and I walked away from the conversation. <laughs> and six months later, we finally got to it. Um, what? Yeah, what, what do you guys... Think of that because I guess there isn't a direct explanation in terms of him being vaguely Mancunian. But do you feel like they've they've covered it enough that it makes sense for you? I don't think they've explained it adequately, but I do think much like people complaining about his hair and Alpha Papa and things like that, they've managed to write it and, and and him becoming more him losing the nasality of going from being a sports reporter to being on Know Me Know You. They they've they've sort of they've covered it without actually really explaining mm. it. And I think that's enough. That's kind of all we can ask for. I think inevitably, as, as good as they are at drawing a solid, continuous line through Alan's character over the years, this has been going for 30 years. There's only one writer that is common to all 30 of those years. You are inevitably going to get things like this that just don't quite work. Yep. Cool. Well, moving from voice acting to voiceovers, Alex Taylor on Twitter wrote to us saying uh, in reference to the milk marketing board's feedback to Alan when he's recording the milk voiceover Alex writes this is precisely how some of our voiceover sessions go minus the client abuse we once had a client ask the artist to please put emphasis on every word that artist was Mr Stephen Fry and you don't need to tell Stephen how to emphasize words uh yeah unbelievable uh <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure he knew what he was doing. Uh, and then just quickly before I hand over to Nick for some more feedback, just the one bank holiday suggestion for this batch of feedback. Terry Cole got in touch to say, this bank holiday I will be whitewater rafting at Lee Valley with Natasha Kaplinsky. Goodbye. Thanks for that, Terry. Over to you, Nick, for a couple more short tits bits. I would definitely like to go whitewater rafting with Natasha Kaplinsky. <laughs> what happened to her? I feel like you don't hear much from her anymore. Hopefully she's, um, yeah, good. <laughs> right, moving on. Um, All the best. <laughs> there is a large audiobook question, uh, and this comes in from at uh, two underscore four slashing, uh, and they ask, "What's the better audiobook, iPod Partridge or Nomad?" Um, I'm happy to kick off. Uh, I think we have kind of covered this in um, previous episodes, but for me. I think Nomad is better purely because it's an original story, whereas there is some repetition in iPartridge, albeit from different perspectives, and it is building on, um, you know, existing kind of uh, Partridge, uh, you know, history. Um, so I would pick Nomad purely for the fact that it's more original um, and doesn't rely on previous Partridge. But happy to hear from the group. I would disagree. I would go for iPartridge. I think it's more of a definitive tome. I think it's more what the fans want, and it's got a nice mixture of previous Partridge and new material. Uh, Nomad, I know that it, it's the joke, but the idea that it doesn't actually really go anywhere and the conceit of him going on a big long walk is sort of picked up and dropped repeatedly. I also think iPartridge feels like you know an exciting new project nomad is a bit of a difficult second album as much as i enjoy them both um for me i partridge just sneaks it i think a lot of it has to do with the excitement around it it kind of came out of nowhere in the sense that there hadn't been any kind of like new formats for partridge and this was the first time he'd obviously gone into an autobiography outside of the actual APU, a real-life autobiography. And also the fact that's like, is it going to be good? Is it going to be... Mm, I don't know. It might not be that great. And then 
you started getting people saying you should listen to the audiobook, you should listen to the audiobook because it's Coogan doing it in character. And I think listening to that for the first time was one of the best Alan experiences I think I've had because you're like, this is just basically brand new Partridge. It's brilliantly acted. It's hilarious. And it's kind of come out of nowhere. So um, for that, I guess kind of a more kind of immediate reaction um whereas when nomad came we kind of had partridge back a bit we'd had mid-morning matters etc so i think just for the for it being fresh and for it being a bit of a surprise that it was actually really really good i think i partridge has it for me uh and yeah i think i partridge for me uh it ju- just nudges it but i i think kind of like some of the things you guys have already said i just think the fact that you get to see it introduces the concept of alan as an unreliable narrator so you get to hear how he wants people to perceive the events that we've actually seen I think is what made iPartridge such a brilliant piece of content. And yeah, I don't know. I just, it's just one of those things. I would find myself coming back and listening to iPartridge more than Nomad. Um, but I think we'd all agree there is that thing with the books, of course, that, uh, yeah, definitely better, both better as audio books than as normal books because you're getting Alan in character. But, uh, yeah, iPartridge for the win, I think. And following on from that, there's another question, and that's come in from at Sobeys Amazing. Um, they write, lads, you've mentioned the idea of Partridge appearing on podcasts in character to promote things. Did you hear about his appearance on Richard Bacon um, when iPartridge came out? Now, I can kick off and say that I didn't know this. Um, I think we're all probably aware of the uh, Jonathan Ross and the TFI Friday appearances, which are obviously quite high profile, um, you know, TV focused, but... Um, I was not aware of this Richard Bacon appearance. Yeah, I've I've heard it. It's it's, it's very funny. I mean, it's something I love. I love Alan in character when he's on like real life stuff because just the way that Coogan clearly kind of riffs with it and kind of improvises what Alan would do in that situation. Yeah, it's definitely worth a listen if you haven't heard it. It's exciting that uh, with these sort of things as well that the safety's off a little bit, you know, mm. like the fact that a lot of them are live, especially, I mean, I think we're going to go on to talk about it, but he's he's also been on a number of other uh, shows, like he was at the BAFTAs in 94 and the Brit Awards in 98, and most of these are live performances where, you know, he'll obviously have scripted what he's got to say, but things could go wrong. He's interacting with, you know, real celebrities that might not, roll with it as well as you know established people might um so i think it makes it makes partridge more exciting uh you know that you're kind of outside the confines of a pre-prepared show um i particularly enjoyed watching him at the baftas in 94 because it seems like it's an entire sketch where even he's 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 basically there to present an award but the award he presents to is a character played by patrick marber um so the whole thing is kind of a kind of contrived piss take in the middle of a proper award <laughs> ceremony, which seems really smart and very funny. Uh, you can find it on YouTube, so I recommend you, you look that one up. I mean, I, I think we've talked about TFI Friday a bit in the past, but it, just to kind of recap on that, I was lucky enough to actually be there. And that was a really interesting insight that I think... So uh, Danny Baker was obviously on the writing team at TFI. So I was actually in a position where I could hear Coogan in character going through scripts with Danny Baker and like rehashing scripts like in the afternoon before the record. So that was kind of mad to, to be in, in the room when that was happening. Um, but yeah, I, I think those bits have all been great. And uh, I think there's the quite famous appearance on Clive Anderson in 97 to promote I'm Alan Partridge series one. That was fully in character and something else worth mentioning. Again, I'm not sure if everybody 
in the group has heard this, but uh, Alan did an in-character appearance on Radio 4's Inheritance Tracks, which I think quite a few people have uh, shared with us over the years. Um, so it's almost like a pared-down equivalent of Desert Island Discs, but in this, it's like a 10-minute piece of audio, and I think he chooses two songs. Uh, I mean, the, the jokes being that one like it, one song has basically nonsense lyrics the other one is the grandstand theme tune um but it's supposed to have like this emotional levity about like what what songs mean a lot to you that you would pass on to like the next generation of your family but like they're just kind of nonsense so that's definitely worth listening to if you guys haven't heard that as well and finally to wrap up this feedback episode we uh have a bit of i guess sort of amateur detective work that has happened by accident um so (laughs) friend of the show uh mike hemsley um he tweeted randomly apropos of absolutely nothing uh he tweeted the following Some morning research has revealed that Norwich midfielder Todd Cantwell was four and a half when the talented Mr. Allen aired, featuring, and and I quote Allen, chap of about six named Todd, wearing jeans at the Norfolk Country Club, Choristers. I'm not saying it's definitely him, but dot dot dot, and he's attached two pictures. One is the screenshot of that episode with a young boy of about six uh, with blonde hair. Uh, and next to him, a picture of Norwich City midfielder Todd Cantwell, who also sports a uh, a lovely lock of, of blonde hair. So obviously Mike is suggesting that um, that t- character of Todd could actually be Todd Cantwell uh, in a very loose kind of manner. Um, <laughs> we retweeted that and uh, someone actually got in touch with us, adding in someone with the handle at Will Salvation, saying, would you mind letting them down gently? To which we replied, are you Todd? Seriously? And Will, at Will Salvation, whose actual name is William Howe, said unashamedly Todd. Seriously. Now, obviously, this could be someone just claiming <laughs> it for their own fumousness to become fumous. Um, he wants they to want be, to be fumous. fumous. But I did go to uh, the IMDB, IMDB page for that episode and listed as one of the actors is William Howe. So we found Todd on, on Twitter by, by, by accident. Brilliant. But, um, yeah, a little bit of a Partridge alumni um, accidentally found courtesy of Monkey Tennis. Fantastic. We've got him on the old jeans rule. Um, <laughs> and so that, uh, that brings us to the end of this episode and the end of the current series of Monkey Tennis. Uh, so it just remains for us to say thank you so much to everybody who has donated on Kofi, who's shared the news of our podcast, has listened to us. We're still constantly astounded and amazed that uh, so many Partridge fans are willing to listen to us prattle on with our theories and, uh, and questions and polls and ideas. So uh, thank you so much. If you'd like to get in touch with us for a future series, we're on Instagram at Monkey Tennis Pod. Twitter at the Partridge Pod. That's where most of our polls take place. Poll fans. Uh, Facebook.com slash the Partridge Pod. Uh, you can email the Partridge Pod at gmail.com or leave us a voice note on WhatsApp 07923 That's the Monkey Tennis Hotline. And if you leave us one, you might make it into a future episode. Uh, we obviously know that this time Series 2 is well underway. Uh, more information about that in our episode where we interview uh, Susanna Fielding, aka Jenny Gresham. Um, no doubt that will be coming in 2021 and we look forward to covering it as and when it does along with any other partridge that may come our way uh so yes once again thank you so much uh, until next time have a great christmas thanks and goodbye now this is the beauty of podcasting the freedom of the medium <laughs> monkey tennis bring bring fireworks don't muck about trees are my pawn monkey tennis ready steady fuck off scratch me
Are you being served? Monkey tennis? Excuse me, your dog's taken my dog's stick. With a chuckle, with a chuckle. Monkey tennis? Yep, absolutely. Yep, 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 absolutely. Generally, I think new ideas are bad. Monkey tennis? Why not consider chips? You must come and stay in the barn. Fuck off. Riddle me that, you nutters. Nothing refreshes like an ice-cold glass of milk. Nah. Monkey tennis? From the host house. Keep it down, love. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.